0: All right, what is happening, sales hustlers? I've got a treat for you today. I've got Richard Harris of the Harris Consulting Group. Came across Richard in Clubhouse recently, and knew I needed to get him on the show for all the sales hustlers. Richard, welcome to the show. How you doing,
1: dude? It's like I've been on Clubhouse like six times, so the fact that you you know found me, um, I'm flattered. <laughs> so oh yeah, I was just yeah.
0: sitting around in there waiting for you to show up.
1: Apparently so, right? Yeah. <laughs> as, as you should have been, of course. Like, what else would you be doing?
0: Yeah, I have a little bit of a love hate relationship with with Clubhouse. I personally prefer the smaller rooms, but it does get very addicting. I have to put, I have to turn the notifications off sometimes, or I find myself yeah. easily uh, pulled towards going in there and seeing what's going on.
1: It's funny because you know I'm doing some some projects coming on, and we're we're going to. Um, simulcast on clubhouse so we're trying to figure that out which is not necessarily easy to do while we do a live session um on zoom Mm. and we're going to do a pre and post party so Mm. we can move you know you want to come early and just talk to the to the guests you know before everybody else or you want to hang out after you know, like so we're we're experimenting with some stuff. So I'm I'm excited for that. So
0: Yeah, I'd love to see how that goes. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure out how to do yep. it, what to do, what the strategy is.
1: Yeah. I'm sure we'll like this... way to suck it up, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just me and my first big partnership project with Salesforce. So, you know, like you know, yeah I'm what sure. could go wrong totally totally <laughs> what, All right. what do you want to talk about today thank you by so that. sincerely thank you for asking me to be here I'm, I'm happy to to come out and just spread some love into the into the sales universe yeah no
0: I appreciate it and um, before we get into the good stuff just give us the cliff notes version of your sales story
1: uh, I'll start I'll go backwards so I teach reps how to earn the right to ask questions which questions to ask and when Mm. and I developed this because nobody taught me this shit right like nobody taught me in a contextual way um I've always been a small business guy I never went to xerox or ibm or microsoft or any of these big companies where that stuff probably would have been taught right and is taught I know that it's taught um so I know that that didn't exist and I have worked with some of these big companies, you know, that are this large and they still don't know how to teach it. So so that's where, where I came from, but I was, I'm different. You know, there's, you know, sometimes it feels like sales is a dumpster fire of every other profession that didn't work out, right? Like, mm. like mm, I went to get a degree in communications and marketing. I don't like marketing or, you know, I realized, yeah. you know, I'm a teacher and I really can't make money. I'm going to go, you know, so sales is that collection, right? We're the land, land of misfit toys. Um, yeah. I'm the opposite of that. I, I early on knew I wanted to be in sales. Both my parents were in sales. My mom's a broker. Um, my dad sold insurance. You know, how exciting. And um, so I was surrounded by business early on mm-hmm. um, and I liked the aspect of it and I liked You know, I started investing in the stock market at 15. I just told this story here today. I was 15 years old, and this is literally last century, so I'm that old. And I was being confirmed in Judaism, which is different than a bar mitzvah. I didn't have the bar mitzvah. Um, And my parents said, well, what do you want? And, you know, the traditional answer is always money. And they said, well, Mm -hmm. what do you you want to do with it? And I said, I want to buy stock. And my mom was a broker, and she said, well, what stock do you want to buy? And I kind of looked around, and I said, let's buy MTV. MTV. (laughs) <laughs> MTV was its own public company back then skyrocketed, did great job. Got bought by Viacom who's now owned by whatever took that money invested in Disney, invested in Nike. I was very conscious of like, what are the, I understood this concept of disposable income at the kid level. And mm-hmm. so that, you know, that's, that's sort of where I realized I liked money and how to make money and I wanted to keep making money. So that's where sales came in. My first job was at the gap selling clothes, right? Folding clothes in the mall. Um, mm-hmm. And that was a thing. And then uh, moved into different inside sales. Yeah. Wait, roles. what's
0: a mall? What's a mall?
1: Exactly. <laughs> right. So I almost thought you were serious, which is really scary to me. That means home- <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is this guy millennial or Gen Z? So, uh, But which are you? Are you millennial or Gen Z?
0: Millennial, but, but I'm an old soul.
1: You are okay. What's yeah. up with the, What's up with this huge argument about the side part? Like, I didn't. I mean, granted, I'm bald, so what do I know? But like, apparently, the millennials and Gen Z are having an argument about parting the hair on the side. Do you know of this?
0: I, I don't know of this. I'm not a. I'm not a active lobbyist millennial. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, well, maybe someone, if anybody's listening and you can explain this to me, connect with me on LinkedIn and, uh, yeah. and let me know what's going on with, what, with the part debate and recognize that none of you should be fucking debating because I'm bald. Like, you stop it.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Both of you, <laughs> just stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So sales was in your blood, it sounds like. You, you, you learned some, some business acumen early on. And so now you teach the, the shit that... People didn't teach you when you first got into sales. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so let's, let's, uh, let's get into some of those stuff, some of those things. Like what particular things do you work with on people that people aren't teaching even, even in the small level and the big level with the type of companies yeah. that you work
1: with? The, the two things that stick out the most uh, for me, and, and it's what, it's what clients tell me they like, is I talk about the psychology of selling and more importantly, the psychology of buying right? Mm. Not the challenger buyer, like not that stuff. I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper into the ego states of your inner child and parent and how tone and inflection actually connects to an emotion within you and what that emotion means to you and what you feel when you see, hear it or say it. Um, and the same thing from the prospect or customer's point of view, like what are they actually going through? You know, it's, it's not about the buyer journey it's about the buyer experience, right? Nobody, 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 you don't go to the fancy new steakhouse and have someone go, Hey, how was your journey to the steakhouse? Right. They right. say, what was your experience like Colin? What yeah. Did you think? Right. And so trying to connect that piece sort of in a, it, putting humanity into it. Right. Um, which I think is different. Um,
0: yeah, it is. It- I mean, the listeners are probably going to kill me cause I say this all the time, but you know, People that I work with and on my team, I tell them, hey, the goal is really simple when you boil it down to this. The goal is to make sure every interaction that you have, that they have a good experience regardless of the yeah. outcome. And the outcome could be doing business, not doing business, yeah. doing business and stop doing business, whatever the case is. And whether they have the budget, they don't, maybe the right fit, maybe they're not, it doesn't matter. Treat them all the same. Give the same level of effort and make sure that they have a good experience regardless yeah. of what happens. Well,
1: I'll come back to you it always comes back to you. Um, a hundred percent agree with you. So I will repeat it for you just so that, you know, your annoyed listeners will, will hear it from, you know, from the other dad in the room. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> it's about the experience people make sure yeah. they have a good experience. So, so, how, so, so cool. let's,
0: let's break, let's break that down. Like right. what can a seller do to make sure Cause a lot of times this goes against like maybe some things that they've been taught. Like I wasn't taught this when I got in sales 10 years ago, it was about like, get the sale, get the commission, like throw out the offer, change the subject, build rapport. Like it was very transactional, you know, treating nobody, people based on what, just, how profitable to they your were. Point,
1: like to your point of like build rapport. Okay. Well, that's an, um, that's an experience, but I don't know a lot of leaders who could teach you how to build rapport Well, just talk to them. Like well, been here a lot of pe-
0: a lot of people fake it, right?
1: right? Like, oh, hey, you know,
0: you must be a Giants fan. Like, I don't right. know if you're a Giants fan because you're right. in San Francisco. Maybe, maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. But like, do I care? Do you care? No.
1: Yeah. I mean, that stuff worked a lot better 10 years ago than it does today. Right. Because of social selling. Um, I don't mind it if I find something like if someone's really smart and wants to get my attention and they've done research on me, they'll realize I'm a huge Springsteen fan. And like, you know, it's all it takes. Just now to your point, if you say, Hey, born in the yeah. USA is my favorite you know, album, then, you know, be like, Oh, come on. No, it's not like, that's not his best. <laughs> um, But so anyway, so, so teaching that is understanding the psychology, but then let's talk about it in the stuff they try to teach you. They try to teach you about open and closed ended questions, right? Yeah. But here's the, the single, what do you think the single most important thing is about open and closed ended questions? There are two, the, but I'll t- let's do the single one.
0: Well, I think number one, like, is it the right question or the right time? Nope. To ask the
1: question. Nope. I failed. Right. <laughs> no, nope. the, the most important thing about opening the questions is it forces us to shut up, so mm-hmm. know why you're asking them before you decide which questions to ask. And once you realize, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to talk now, what do I want them to talk about? What do I need them to talk about? Now I can formulate the open-ended questions. Closed-ended questions, right? They don't talk about this very much. Mm -hmm. Yes and no. When your brain hears the word no, it releases destructive neurochemicals, fight or flight. So when you cold call and you get no, that's why we don't like it. That's why we have to amp ourselves up because we're already thinking negatively. We have negative chemicals going on in our brain. Here's the... Here's the rub. When you hear the word yes, your brain doesn't do anything. So you're predisposed to negativity. And your body reacts to negativity in a physiological way. Now, does that mean, you know, once I know that, does it mean I'm not going to have that problem? No, not at all. What it really means is that now you can at least create a little bit of, I call it two centimeters of space. Give yourselves two centimeters between... What you're feeling and what you're thinking, and in that two centimeters, you can create a deep breath and exhale, a little bit of a disconnect from the emotional piece, so that mm. it doesn't have as much of an effect on you. Those those neurochemicals are still going in your brain; like you can't stop it. But I can try to label it in a way that says, "Hey, here's a negative." If I give myself this space, so I can exhale. That's a positive. I'm replacing this. Like, if you're fans of of Voss, right? He talks about this stuff all the time. But that's the stuff that that matters that needs to be taught. And so, you like when, when Voss you're... stuff is great. The challenge with Voss's stuff is that he didn't create it. Like, if you've been, you know, like I've been in therapy for 20 years. Like, I've been going through this shit a long time. And then I read the book, and I'm like, fuck, I could have written that book. <laughs> <laughs> there, <laughs> yeah. The the, the, the phrase said, that's right? That, yeah, the,
0: the the phrase that's coming to mind when you're saying all this is like mindful selling, you know, like the things you're talking about, like taking a breath, being present, like so giving that space, policy. labeling, like,
1: dude, you that's know, so, so millennial, <laughs> dude, that's so millennial lobbyist way to, way to, <laughs> way, to way to, way to contradict yourself, Colin.
0: So, I'm la- hey, I'm labeling it. I'm labeling right.
1: it. I appreciate it.
0: So.
1: <laughs> mindful selling. Yes, that is one. That is what it is. And I, you know, bringing humanity and being mindful. Like it's not a, you know, those are the things that have to be taught as opposed to, you know, make it about them. You know, like you got to teach the, why the stuff works before you teach what works. And do you think
0: people struggle with this to like, like, um, because it just doesn't feel natural for them. Like it's very, like it feels to do some of these things is very, Uh, not natural. It's very, um, not what they've been taught. So it's very uncomfortable and it almost feels fake.
1: Um, there's a little bit of that, but I think it's also one of the, one of the few professions where your outcome relies specifically with the people you interact with. Right. And that doesn't mean that marketing doesn't have that too, but there's, there's, there's about six layers of walls between marketing and the customer. Right. That's why marketing, the really good marketers know how to talk to their customers, why product mm-hmm. marketers are great at it. When they talk to the customer, they're trying to break down all those barriers. Like, there's nothing in between us to protect us. Um, so that's yeah, that should be uncomfortable. We're humans like I and yeah. so so that's a piece of it. Right. But to try and acknowledge it, it to me again, it's kind of like that destructive neurochemical. Let's acknowledge, oh, yeah, I'm a human. That's uncomfortable. Well now that I know it's uncomfortable, well what are some ways I can be comfortable? Right? Mm. And we've or all, even just
0: be okay with it being uncomfortable.
1: Well that too, right? But that that is the skill of like, oh, I can ignore that now. I don't worry about it. Like I you know, when I talk to the veterans of sales, right? When they say, "Hey, it's not personal," or when someone wants to beat me up over pricing, I don't take it personally. Well, they built up a callus to that. But mm. I I will say, well, actually you do. And I'll say, what do you mean? I say, because for a split second before you say, hey, I just know they're going about pricing. There's a moment that triggers you to make you remember the positive way to handle this. Mm-hmm. So it's still personal. It's still affecting you. you it's called wisdom. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what wisdom is, is how do I do this? Better, And I think we all go through this all day, every day. Like we're always in a sales mode, right? Whether it's with your kids, right? Whether it's with your wife or your spouse or your husband or your partner, whether it's with your dog, like you're constantly going through this stuff. And, um, it's easier in those places because we have an emotional connection, right? It's easier. It's not always easy to talk to my, my wife about certain things, but I know it's easier than it would be a stranger, Right. Like I know that my wife's not going to, you know, short of me, you know, doing something ridiculously terrible. She's never going to leave me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so.
0: But that took time and practice and right, dealing with the took. uncomfortable pieces and yes. or maybe earlier on and now yeah. it's more it, less, less uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. So I try to teach, I talk about the uncomfortable so that it's no longer uncomfortable. Hmm. Right. So, which so.
0: I'm going to write that. How, 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 do, uh, how do sales leaders get more educated on this stuff other than the yeah. obvious of, of, um, of, going to Richard Harris, um, and, and teach these things?
1: So there's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of self-knowledge stuff that I think, and that's, it's a way easier, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. Like I didn't have Google. Like, you know, like I, I I will say this, like you, you said it earlier, you know, what's, what's the mall? Do you even know what microfiche is, Colin? Like, have you ever heard of this word, microfiche? I have not. All right. So basically, when I went to the library in college at the University of Arizona, you know, you have a card catalog, right? And mm-hmm. you'd want to see and say, oh, go check out this newspaper. Well, they're not going to keep years, you know, years of years of newspapers so there's microfiche and you can't see my hand but i'm holding up a square of about two to three inches by two to three inches and it's basically just a big next slot negative from mm-hmm. again, do you even know what a negative is from a camera like it's film yeah. do you know what yeah, film yeah, yeah. like i'm like this yeah. is how like, this do is libraries
0: what... have audio books
1: right <laughs> <laughs> so, um, i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> so so you had to like go look under this microscope at the microfiche to read the article from you know 1897. Right. You guys have the freaking internet, right? Like I think
0: I've seen this on a VHS before. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well played. That was awesome. (laughs) That's a really good one. Um, (laughs) So what's a VHS thing? (laughs) Anyway. uh, So, so anyway, so it's, so self-educating was not quite as easy for us. Yeah. Right. Um, And where you, so there's, and, and it, and it's also not been taught innately. Like my kids are 12 and 11 and they know how to Google search by voice. Like my kids a couple of years ago, you know, dad, you don't have to like type it in. You can just click the speed, the microphone button on Google. Yeah. Right? I'm like, but, you know, but I'm, now
0: there's, there's pros and cons to that, right? Because you got to be careful of what information you trust and consume. And there's well, a lot yeah. of people putting a lot of stuff out there and like, you yeah. got to fact check and like, oh, yeah. you know, we're, working so. on,
1: we're teaching them all that. We're teaching them all that. So so you have to self-educate. It's a long story. So one self-educate. I'm a huge fan of reading. Um, I read some business books. I've stopped reading some others because I don't want to, um, spoil what I'm writing in some cases, right? I don't want to mm. accidentally borrow someone else's content. Like, that's not my intent. I want to let people be authentic. Uh, I want to try and sound authentic and be authentic. Um, And so I read a lot of autobiographies. There's so much knowledge and wisdom in autobiographies. The two biggest ones that I've read lately that I recommend, uh, particularly if you're a manager, and even if you're a salesperson who thinks you want to go into management, is called um, The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh. And he talks about how he built the San Francisco 49er dynasty in the 80s and 90s. And it's literally piece by piece. How it works, tells these great football stories, talks about how Ronnie Lott had his decided to have his fingers cut off so he could play in a football game. Um, um, but then he applies it in business and he teaches you mm. and he talks about how does he coach coaches to coach the players, which is how do I manage managers to manage the team? Right. Like there's and, and they draw the parallel. And yeah. so it's a fascinating book. It's a fun book. Um, that's the first one that I'm reading a lot. Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey that just came out. Um, and this is 2021. So it came out, I think in December of 2020, fascinating book. Um, it's not about a Hollywood guy. It it talks about, you know, the, the life lessons he learned growing up and how he saw certain things in life as red lights or green lights. Sometimes a red light is a green light. Sometimes a green light's really a red light. And how do you figure it out? And he tells these stories. And, and for me, I just thought that was really compelling and fun. And I'm an audiobook guy. So I know what those are. Um, yeah. You know, uh, we, we, you know, we did. You know, you can we,
0: listen to them in one and a half or two X speed.
1: I did. I, I'm a 1.3 to 1.4 guy. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to call you with all my other tech questions. You just open the door, um, but I don't even know where I was going with it. Um, but anyway, so those are the books I like to read. I like to read some of those things. Um,
0: Non-sales books.
1: A lot of non. I want. I want life yeah. books. Right. Yeah everything in life is sales and everything in sales is life. Like that. Mm. You you, better
0: write that one down too.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) and it's kind of like, why wouldn't you want to take the life skills and put them in sales? And why wouldn't you take the sales skills and put them in life? Yeah. That's, that's, that's all it is. So anyway, acknowledging that talking about it to your point, I like what you said about, Talking about the uncomfortable to make it comfortable. That's what this is. That's what I do. Um, that's where I tell people to go. I actually, I, I don't know if you want me to dive into it, but uh, we're going to release a survey uh, with a company called RevOps Squared, where we talk. You know, what are the, what are the, what are the skill developments of people that CROs need or want, VPs of sales. Know, the sales manager, the director of sales, like we went through yeah. this list of people. What are,
0: what are some of the
1: things on the top of those lists? Well, it's interesting, right? So there's a couple of them. Um, so I'll mention a couple and then I'll tell you what I found very interesting. So at the top of the list for sales leadership skills development, right? One is a high priority. 10 was a low priority, uh, for CROs forecast management is the top skill development area. Right. Um, then manager development, then performance management, pipeline development, pipeline management, objectives and quota management, opportunity management, organizational development. Guess what's not on this list? And there's like four more things. Nowhere is the word sales training hmm. was not chosen. Like, and I get it. Like I understand these are their top things they want to be better at, but you can't be better at forecast management unless you train your team. Right. And whether mm. that training is like what I do, you know, sales training or CRE engagement training, which is a whole other issue, the forecast is gonna be shit. Right. Mm. Well, you know, welcome back to XL. Right. Now, does well, training what's you know,
0: interesting is is a lot of those things are not far off from each other. They're all fairly, they're fairly all similar. connected,
1: right? Right. And they're all about and to your to the earlier point, they're all about teaching people to get more comfortable with the things they're uncomfortable with and some of this can feel micromanagey right mm. like performance management third on the list is that sales training possibly right or is it management coaching is it personnel coaching right those are the things that that are there i was really really excited to hear manager development as the second most important thing because you know just like nobody taught us sales nobody taught us how to be managers Every sales manager I know, even to this day, they're often promoted because they're good data people. They understand the data to navigate a deal. They understand how to follow a sales process. They know how to navigate a conversation. They are experts in product. They're experts at the process side of sales. You know what they suck at?
0: Managing Managing and coaching.
1: Yeah. Managing people, right? Like They don't know. Like I've had the conversation. I worked at the Gap as a manager and you know, we had one employee who had really bad body odor and I was like, Oh my God, nobody teaches you that. How do you handle that (laughs) conversation? Right. You don't want to fire somebody. Right. And so I, you know, I fortunately, again, I worked for a big company. I called them and I said, okay, what do I do? Coach me on coaching this. So those are the advantages of big companies. Right. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, what do you do when someone calls in sick all the time? Nobody teaches you how to handle it other than put them on a pip and fire them. Well, good luck with mm-hmm. that. Right? Like that, that, yeah. But maybe there are five other things we should talk about. Maybe their parents have COVID. Maybe there's a challenge. Maybe they have a drug or alcohol problem. Maybe we could be a little more human to them before we just shit can them and throw them to the curb, you know? Yeah. So, so but, really, the I, re- well, you know, if
0: we unpack that a little bit, right, it's people not being willing to, do things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. So they run away or avoid them. Right. Yeah. I or not my, really deal with it head on.
1: Yeah. I had a business coach uh, several years ago and, and her line and I love this line is that the soft skills are the hard skills. Hmm. Right. And if you, whether that's the soft skills of sales to your point, it's making you do something you're not comfortable doing mostly because you did, you, you don't know how to do it and you just haven't tried it. Right. Like that's, you know, that's kind of it. Um, I'm going to push down to to the next one for VPs of sales, and then we'll sort of take the conversation where you want to go. Um, I mean, we can do this all day, but I don't I don't need to, yeah. you know, doesn't need to be about this report. So the VP of sales, who's right under the CRO, their number one was um, skills development was around understanding objectives and quota management, right? So again, the CRO said forecast management, the VP of sales said objective quota management, then pipeline management, and then forecast management. So it's interesting in my mind that the VP of sales is saying, hey, we need to understand how to do the pipeline first. And if we do that, then the forecast is more accurate. Right. Right. So then it comes after forecast management, it's sales process and metrics management coaching and sales calls though is still like 10th 10th down the list. Were you surprised most. by that? Yes. Why? Yes. Because I think everything flows from there. Now, you got to work from the possible. bottom up, right? You right. if you invest now, in also, the
0: bottom up, those other things become easier.
1: That's the theory, right? Now, it's also possible as you go and you can I can go, you know, I'm not going to do it, but we could go skew show the data and show that, oh, well gosh, if you think about it, These people all come from big companies where maybe they have a sales enablement team. So that becomes less of a worry. Mm. Right. So that's a fair assumption that, okay, well maybe they do have sales training dialed in. Right. And Richard's head is around earlier stage startups or some other place where sales enablement and sales training hasn't been maybe as strong as it could be. Right. So, so I, I, I see both sides of this coin in that regard. Anyway, I'll, I'll pause there and, and see where you, Want to take this conversation?
0: So uh, let's let's dig into sales process. So so how do how do people improve the psychology of sales around their sales process?
1: Well, so for me, do I have the right exit criteria from one stage to the next? Right. As far as I'm concerned, you know, the process is the process. And it's, this is the standard sales process and I'll explain a little bit. So one is, you know, there's sort of identification, right? Sort of lead gen, then there's qualification, mm-hmm. then there's discovery, then there's a selection mode, then there's negotiation. And then there's closing. That's every sales process I've ever known. And it irks me to the nth degree. When I see a sales process stage, stage four is the proposal stage. Are you fucking kidding me that's not a that's not a stage that's an activity that's something you do you send a proposal as part of either the selection process or the negotiation process right when i see the stage is called demoing are you kidding me that's either qualification or discovery right like it's like so there's a lot of stuff that's sort of messed up and i think it to your point if if you agree with me look by the way if someone's sales process is the other way and it's working, and you're crushing goals. Don't change it because Richard got on here and got on a rant. Like, don't, don't <laughs> you know, if it works, it works. Like, don't, don't throw away good stuff. Um, but you then have to define the exit criteria between each stage. Some companies like to say, well, what's the exit criteria, and then the entry criteria. And I'm like, well, if you get that micromanaging, that means you got this gray area in between the two stages. <laughs> like you're not qualified. <laughs> You've qualified them, but they're not ready to go into discovery. I'm like, I don't know what that means.
0: Mm. So,
1: so to me, yeah, I have- you don't
0: want to create oh. too much confusion where it's just like, I don't know what to do. <laughs>
1: right. So, so for me, the exit criteria are very certain objectives or n- learnings that matter. Right. So that I've learned this part of the process. I understand this part of the process. I've identified the committee. I've identified that a committee makes the decision. Maybe that's in the qualifying stage, discovery stage. I try to figure out who's on the committee, right? Mm-hmm. Like it just sort of depends. And, you know, the challenge with Salesforce and most CRMs is they're they're built linearly, which is really bizarre to me. Um, and uh, because you, you feel like you're forced to stay in those stages where if I were gonna do it, I do a Venn diagram, you know, of a flower where I sort of have, you know, a qualification as a circle Another one called discovery, they overlap somewhere, right? Mm. Then the next one is um, selection mode. The next one is negotiation mode. And then in the middle is closing, right? Or, or winning. And those things would overlap in the CRM so that I could see visually in a very different way than having to scroll down the page so much, right? Like it's And it's a Richard thing. I don't know if that's the right way to do it, but I just... Just sort of the idea i came up with so you know one day when i have a billion dollars and i want to create a uh, a crm system that's what i'll build
0: yeah <laughs> um all right richard it's been fantastic having you on here uh yeah. I had a lot of fun jamming Thanks. out on these topics here glad i was able to get you on here what do you want to let folks know where can they Maybe get this survey. Where can they get this new ebook you have? Anything else yeah. you want to plug and we'll not yeah, we in in show notes. Yeah,
1: sorry, we didn't even talk I'm glad we didn't talk about it, but I, I wrote an ebook. I know a lot of people are not either happy in their sales role and they're white knuckling it because you gotta wait mm-hmm. till the more economy changes and that's the right thing to do, right? Stick with your economy, stick with the business, get a check, make sure you have health insurance, take care of yourself, take care of your family, priority one. Um but I wrote a book on um how to own the job interview process. How do you actually interview better? What are the kinds of questions you should be asking in a job interview? Besides tell me about your standard day. Not that you shouldn't ask that question, but there are way better ones. How do you use these questions to get shortlisted, which then means you're going to get more opportunities for job offers, how to navigate multiple offers. Like, so I wrote this book called owning your job search. It's on Amazon. Um, I think it's, it's on Kindle. So if you have, um, know the, the the subscription it's free to download that kind of stuff um so anyway so that's that's the book the survey will be out on my website harris consulting group um dot com the harris consulting com. is coming out uh what's today today is february 25th so probably by the time this drops it should be up and running so okay uh, that being said you know thank you so much for finding me and having me and hey hey clubhouse way to go so like if yeah. i you know, like this will be the coolest thing ever if someone says, "Hey, Richard, I heard you on this podcast, right? You're gonna get credit for that. But then I get to go all the way back to the ultimate source of clubhouse that I got a deal off clubhouse. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I'm waiting for, everybody. I think that's so, what
0: everybody's looking for right now. like is right. this activity... I mean,
1: clubhouse so yeah,
0: yeah. I think there's <laughs> really, rooms about that already, but I don't know if they know what they're talking about. <laughs>
1: yeah, who knows who knows so, um, awesome. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah, thank you, thank you, so, you so much. much. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, likewise. Uh, We will include all of those links there in the show notes for you sales hustlers. If you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. Check us out and if you feel that you are ready set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.